0: Well, if you are visiting with us uh, today, welcome. It looks like we've got lots of family members that are either in town or here to to be with mom and to, to honor your parents, and so thank you for being here. Uh, we'd love for you and for everybody to be tearing out one of the communication cards, and you can be filling that out for us. Uh, if you are visiting with us, fill one of those cards out. There's also a place there for us to be filling out our prayer requests so that we can be praying with you and for you throughout the course of the week. Well, we just got back from a week at Pepperdine. Uh, we had a, a group of about 50 that headed out there for a great week of lectureships. The praise team was able to present and lead worship for a couple of the sessions, and it was just a rich Week. Uh, several stayed behind and went to San Diego for the weekend and spent uh, an extended trip there. So it was a, a rich week, and we will have uh, more to report on that and more uh, influence of that uh, throughout the, the weeks and months to come. Pepperdine has been a very important part of, of just the spiritual development of this congregation. This morning, uh, we are going to continue our series on the core practices, and it's a a timely one for moms, because we are talking about total surrender. And so we we are talking about surrendering, and as moms, how many times have you wanted to wave that? that white flag, and say, I give up, I give up. Today is not the day I want to continue this. Uh, But moms give up so much for us and make so many sacrifices, and even when they feel like they want to give up, they continue to give themselves up for the sake of their families and continue to, to surrender for us. The great Charles Blondin was a 19th century tightrope walker, and he was the first to, to attempt and successfully cross over Niagara Falls. And on June 30th, 1859, he stretched the tightrope across Niagara Falls. It was over 1,000 feet long and 160 feet above the water. And he successfully walked across this rope. Uh, there was no harness, no net, just Niagara Falls, right? Which is not a place you want to fall into from 160 feet up. And so he attempts this and successfully goes across. There's a huge crowd of 25,000 people watching this happen in front of them. And so he successfully gets across to the other side. Some of you are like, no, I don't think so. But he does this, and the crowd grows, and the days after this, he continues to cross back and forth and starts taking things with him as he crosses back and forth. He, he takes a chair and sits out in the middle of it. He, he pushes a wheelbarrow. There's even a story that says he actually took a stove out to the middle and cooked an omelette. Um, maybe exaggerated, I'm not sure, but that's the story. But he would take things back and forth, and, and the crowd would grow and just cheer him on. And he would say, do you, do you believe that I can, can go across with a chair? And everybody would cheer, yes, you can. And so he would do it. And, and do you believe I can go across with a wheelbarrow? And they said, yes, you can do it. And, and so one day he asked, do you believe that I can take someone else across the wire in the wheelbarrow, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you can do that, and there was, there was one guy in the crowd that was really cheering him on, and he, he calls, calls this guy out and says, well, do you believe that I can do this? And he said, yes, absolutely, so then he responds, get in, <laughs> and suddenly the guy's faith in his ability to cross this tightrope drastically changes, right? It's like, I don't think so. And the man refuses. There's a similar story in Matthew chapter 19, believe it or not. Not about a tightrope, though. I want to read this story of a rich young man. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What must I do to really be a part of, of what God is doing? How can I be a part of, of God's work and God's kingdom? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is, who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Okay, Keep the commandments. Sounds simple enough. Which ones? Can you be more specific? Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I've done all these, I've kept all of these, the young man said. Things are looking good, right? What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, if you want to get it all right. Go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Then the young man heard this, or when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now we can talk a lot about money. That's not what we're talking about today. But he had great wealth, and so he didn't want to get into the wheelbarrow. He believed, but he didn't want to get in, And so he walked away sad, knowing that this great offer was there, but he just couldn't make the sacrifice to get in. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples heard this. They were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? This just seems impossible. Who, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with, all, with God all things are possible. And Peter answered him, We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And so we have this call here. Jesus gives us this story of this man who is faced with a decision, will you get into the wheelbarrow and go across? Do you really believe that he can do what he says he's going to do? And will you put your trust in that and totally surrender your life over to that? Jesus says, Do you believe? Do you really want to be a part of what I'm doing? Do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? We talked last week about kingdom-mindedness and how we, we focus on the things that Jesus focuses on. The values that he has should be our values. And once we have focus on his kingdom and the things that he is calling us to, then we are faced with this choice. Do we get in or do we stay on the sidelines cheering? Do we stay on the sidelines and say, yes, we believe you can get across there. Yes, we believe you can do great things. Yes, you can, you can push that wheelbarrow out there. You can go cook an omelet. But I'm going to stay over here where it's safe and not going to risk it. Jesus tells the young man that, that if you believe if you you tells the young man you believe you follow the rules you're doing a good job those are all great things but if you want to be all in it's going to take some sacrifices it's going to take surrendering of yourself and so we've been in this series over the last several weeks talking about the core practices the things that we do to help us become more like jesus To help us act more like Jesus. And so the first week we talked about worship, then we talked about prayer, and then we talked about Bible study, and last week we talked about kingdom mindedness. And each of these things are practices that help us to become more like Jesus. And so today we look at this idea of total surrender. Paul says in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Yes, we worship God and we engage in a relationship with him, but he calls us to not be on the sidelines. He calls us to get up on the altar and become a sacrifice. And the problem with living sacrifices is they keep wanting to get off the altar. They keep crawling off to try to get to where they want to be. But he calls us to sacrifice, to become a a living sacrifice. That's not something that's comfortable. That's not something that's easy. We offer our bodies all of who we are. Every bit of our being is called to be in a way of life that is kingdom focused. And so we have this question how do we cultivate a life of sacrificial service? How do we cultivate this? And so our key idea is is I dedicate my life to God's purposes. We dedicate our lives to God's purposes, and and to do that, we become living sacrifices. The great theologian uh, Bonhoeffer said it this way, The cross is laid on every Christian. It's laid on every Christian. The first Christ-suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world abandon the attachments to the world, the things that we really like, the things that we are attached to, the first thing that we have to do to follow Christ is to let go of those things. It It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. We have encountered something so much better. Christ is so much better than the things that we're attached to. Jesus and the kingdom of God is so much more exciting and so much richer and so much better than any of the things that we think that we need. And as we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. And thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so we're called to be sacrifices. We're called to die to self. Paul describes it this way. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul recognizes here that we have to surrender ourselves to God, that it's not about our lives, it's about his. It's not about what we want, it's about his kingdom and his purposes. And so we live by faith through that. But it's key to see there that that his love for us comes first, that he himself dies for us. And it is because of that that we respond to that. God demonstrates his commitment to us. He's not asking us to do something that he hasn't already done. Romans 5, God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, yes, we're called to die. Yes, we're called to be sacrifices. But we're not called to do anything that God has not already done. The Jesus has, has stepped out into that already. He has gotten into that wheelbarrow and gone out into the tightrope. And so the things that he has called us to is not absent of his own experience. That if we're called to be sacrifices, if we're called to die to self, has Jesus done anything less than that? Has he asked us to step out into anything that he hasn't already done? Jesus put his life on the line for us, and he lived this calling out for us before he called us to it before he had that expectation for us that we would die to self and sacrifice everything and surrender everything for the sake of his kingdom, he did it first. God wants to have a relationship with us. And he calls us and he initiates a relationship with us by by sending us his son who emptied himself, who sacrificed himself, who surrendered all of his own desires and all of his own wants and surrendered all of his own needs for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of God's purposes for us. Jesus doesn't ask us to get into the wheelbarrow without without him already doing it. Jesus, knowing the path that he would take, and knowing what it would take to be his disciple, knowing what it would take to follow after him, he says this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And so have you surrendered your own fears? Have you surrendered the the shame that you have for Jesus? Are you ashamed of him? Because as followers of him, as disciples of him, as, as ones who bear his name, the two are not compatible. To be ashamed is not congruent with being a follower of Jesus. But there's hope. We see throughout the Bible people who were called to very great things and were complete screw-ups. Right? The entire Old Testament is this story of God creating a people to be a blessing to the world, and they blew it, and he continues to pursue them, and he continues to love them. And so in this call to sacrifice everything, in this call to surrender to God's will for our lives, there is tremendous grace as well. Peter's a great story of this, right? Where Peter is convinced, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to be the guy. Jesus, you can count on me. And then the rooster crows and, oops, He denies Jesus three times. He's totally ashamed of the one he has called master. He has not surrendered everything. He has given into fear. He has given into his own selfish flesh and said, I don't know him. I'm not following him. I don't know who that is. Oh, we love the story of Peter, right? What I love about the story of Peter is is that he completely messes it up. But it is on that rock that the church is built. And Peter still becomes this incredible leader of the early church. That even though he made those mistakes of of not surrendering when he knew he should have, God still uses him in incredible ways. He's still very much a part of the plan. He's still very much a part of the kingdom of God. And then Peter continues to have opportunities to surrender himself, to face trial and imprisonment and persecution and ultimately death for the sake of the one he calls Savior. And so how many times in the Bible do we see this pattern? Given an opportunity to surrender, eh, I'm not quite there yet. And then God still uses them in incredible ways. And so for us, there is this great message that we simply have to trust. We have to trust that we can get in that wheelbarrow and God's going to do exactly what He said He was going to do. And that is a terrifying thing, right? To trust. And what's required for trust? Trust is built on relationship, right? It's built on knowing the person, trusting that person because of the relationship that you have. And so that's why we've been talking about ways to have a relationship with God. Because the more we know God, the more we can trust him. The more we know his faithfulness, the more we know his character, the more we know who he is, then we understand our identity in him and we can trust him to do the things that he has said that he will do. But we're still full of fear. We don't want to do those things. We want a net. We want a harness. We want something to catch us just in case God isn't there to do it. When I think about trust, I think of, of Annabeth, who Laura loves to pick her up and like swing her and throw her and flip her around to sit on her shoulder. Okay? So it's like this acrobatic thing, and Annabeth just cracks up laughing. right? And many of you have done this with kids. You throw your kids up in the air, you, you spin them around, you toss them all over the place, and they just love it, right? Have you ever gone to do that to someone else's kid, though? And mom and dad are like, what, what are you doing to my kid? Like the trust isn't there. The relationship isn't there. Like Annabeth looks at her mom and says, I will trust you to not drop me. I will trust you to catch me. If you throw me up in the air, you will catch me. And that trust is built on a relationship. It's built on... <laughs> how, I, <laughs> Lorianne's making faces at me because I dropped Annabeth this week out of the stroller onto the sidewalk. So the trust is a little broken right now. So she just dived out of the stroller. It wasn't my fault, really. But the relationship is there, right? The relationship of trust is there. And so we think about a, a trapeze artist, Writes that they are flying through the air. And the only way you would have the sanity to, th- to, to throw yourself out there is if you completely trusted the other person to catch you. Like, I'm not even going to climb up on that thing, much less launch myself into the air towards somebody unless there was absolute and total trust, which I have for none of you. And so I'm not going to do it. But this circus act that you see, you hold your breath as the person launches out into the air. And the thing only works if the other person catches. Otherwise, the act is all wrong. And so will you launch yourself out there to be caught by the one who is absolutely trustworthy. That we can look at the story of God and we can see his faithfulness throughout generations. And do we really believe that? There's still that fear in us. Do I really want to jump off? And do I want to give everything I have to God and his purposes for my life? And so we've been asking this question for quite some time now. God, what do you want to do through me? God, what are you saying to me? How do you want to use me? And to be quite honest, most of us don't even want to ask that question. We're avoiding that prayer. Because we don't want to have to step out into that wheelbarrow and go across and if we ask the question, then we're faced with, do I really trust God for who he says he is? I want us to stand together and spend some time in prayer. I want to read this, uh, this quote from Henry Nowen. Much of our lives is flying. That's why you feel so out of control, Right? We're just flying. It is wonderful to fly in the air free as a bird. But when God isn't there to catch us, all our flying comes to nothing. Let's trust in the great catcher. And so we surrender everything to God, knowing that every bit of our life is his knowing that his plans and his purposes are far greater than anything we can imagine, far more exciting than any adventure we think that we can go on. That if you will step out in faith and do what God is calling you into, it will be the greatest decision of your life. And so we dedicate our lives to God's purposes. Let's spend some time praying with one another. This is an opportunity for for you to come forward and receive prayer. Uh, Maybe you need to step forward and accept Jesus for the first time, and and it is time to to confess your faith in him and surrender everything to him and die to him through baptism. And we can do that this morning. Uh, But maybe for for many of us, uh, we have made that initial confession. We say, we believe. We believe you can get across. But we haven't quite yet climbed up into the wheelbarrow. Or maybe we've climbed in and jumped out a few times. And so this is a time to encourage one another. It's a time to pray for one another. And it can, it can be little things. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily a huge go to Africa and be a missionary kind of thing. It could be a stop being on the computer when you're not supposed to be. It could be stop whatever is in your life that you know is not what God wants you to be. It could be go seek reconciliation with that person that you're bitter with. It could be a lot of little things. It could be a lot of big things. You're surrendering yourself and you're, d- you're dying to your own desires. and You're saying, God, your plan is greater than my plan. And so whatever it is that, that God is nagging you on. Be faithful and obedient to what he's calling you to do now from the little to the big. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus. We thank you for the new life that we have in him and we thank you for, for this grand adventure that you have called us into. God, we want to participate with you in that. And it's not a drag and it's not a discouragement. It is exciting and life-giving more than anything that we can ever imagine. And so show us the life that is found in the things that you have called us to. Show us the great passion and energy and excitement that can be found in your work, in your kingdom. Continue to speak to us and challenge us. Encourage us. Forgive us for the times that we drag our feet, and are reluctant to be obedient. God, we give this time to you now as we continue to pray, as we worship and sing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.